Welcome to our second edition of Two for Crosstalking. Once again, I am here with Franklin Rubenstein in Toronto. How you doing, Franklin? I'm great today, Todd. Congratulations on picking the Kings in five. I, I need, the, obviously, your prognostication abilities are working very well when they matter the most. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, but I think if I, I don't remember, I think I picked Dowdy for the con Smythe, I believe. I don't think either of us had Williams, did we? No, neither of us did. Yeah, so I can't take full credit, but I did have him in five. Although it was a, a much tighter series than, you know, your typical five-game series, wasn't it? I think it was a, certainly four or five-game series, unlike the NBA Finals, which was a very convincing five-game series. I think, you know, a couple bounces, a couple things go the other way. Certainly there would be a game six and even a, possibly a game seven. I don't think the Rangers uh, can feel bad about their effort, and, and certainly... You know, with all the overtime games, I, I, I thought it was as entertaining a five-game series as you possibly could imagine. Yeah, I, you know, being a Kings fan, I think it's just, you know, uh, what do you call it, fate. They called it puck luck during the series, but, you know, it's fate because the Kings, you know, lost three overtime games against the Canadians in 93. So it was just, you know, a payback, I guess, from the... And the other thing, too, is in watching the series closely, I don't think anyone thinks the best team didn't win the series. So while five games might not be the most just fitting for the Rangers, I think overall uh, the Kings being the Stanley Cup winner certainly is a just ending to what was an amazing NHL playoffs. And I assume you don't have a problem with Justin Williams winning the Conn Smythe? I don't have a problem with it, but I'll ask you this question. Even with all of Justin Williams' amazing goals, timely goals, clutch perform clutch performances throughout the playoffs. Do you think the Kings would have won the Stanley Cup without Drew Doughty or without Justin Williams if you had to take one away from their team? That's a tough question, but I think either way, I think if you take Drew Doughty away, they probably don't win it. And if you take away Justin Williams, they probably don't win it. So... I mean, I don't think they win it with either without either one of those guys. But the other question is, who are you replacing them with, too? I mean, I think it would be... I mean, the the, the Kings did a good job of, like, covering up for their defensive... Because they had injuries. Regeer was out. You know, um, Schultz came in during the, uh, the Anaheim series. And I believe the beginning of the Chicago series. You know, they basically... He was a minor league call-up, even though he's had... Uh, NHL experience, but I think they did a good job sort of trying to cover up, you know, and for their defensive mistakes. But that being said, I guess if I had to choose, I would choose that, you know, they could win it without Justin Williams because Dowdy plays so many minutes. You know, he plays, you know, 30 minutes a game or 28, 29 minutes a game, you know, in regulation in a typical playoff game. So, and the point being made, I guess, is that if the Conn Smythe is the most valuable player, then by your logic, isn't Drew Doughty a more valuable player? And I think you can make that case. And it's hard to argue with what Justin Williams did, and he's become an elite playoff performer. But do you think someone else might have stepped into that role had it not been Justin Williams? meaning the Kings had a lot of chances in overtime. He was fortunate enough to be the one to cash in on his opportunities. They probably still would have had chances without him, and maybe it might have been someone else stepping in. And my point is, is maybe without Doughty, 
they can't get to that point. So that's why I think you could make a case for Doughty. I'm not saying I have a problem with Justin Williams. I'm just saying that Doughty um, certainly was worthy of strong consideration. Well, if we use your logic, couldn't you just say then Jonathan Quick would be the con Smythe because they're not winning it without Jonathan Quick either. I mean, you put and I don't know. I, again, Jones I, I back there, or you're not going to win it with Martin Jones in goal or Bernier. Should we talk about Bernier? I think they, and you see, and I would disagree. I, I thought Quick played well, but I, I but he, there were times where he fought the puck, and certainly early on in the postseason, um, you can make a case that Quick was not very good. Uh, certainly, certainly in their first series um, against San Jose, I guess, right? Right, right. Yeah, uh, after the first three games, he did a little better, and but he, I thought he, ste- I thought his game, he definitely stepped up in the final compared to. The Blackhawks series, and especially in Game Three, you know, he had those unbelievable saves in the shutout. But yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, if you take away a certain player on the Kings, I mean, you probably can make a case for five or six guys that they wouldn't win the Cup without them. So, yeah, and and you know, that's the mark of a good team, I guess, too, a great team mm-hmm. that there are five or six players who were worthy of consideration. By the way. Uh, you know, I'm in L.A. here, and I just want to let you know, in the other room, the parade is going on on the TV in the other room. So. I, well, I was surprised that when we made the time to do the podcast that you all were available because I figured the parade route would be going right past <laughs> where you are right now. And I'm, you know, nowhere you're near, I'm nowhere near the parade route, so we don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about, you know, the, the fire trucks with the confetti blowing by here behind me. No worries about that. <laughs> So, uh, what about the Rangers? Do you think it was a, a successful season for them? And obviously, the key to them winning the Cup was Lundqvist, who did play well, but he he wasn't the star of all stars in the series. If you count both teams, did he need to be even better for the Rangers to win? I think he needed to be the best player in the series, and he wasn't. He was very good. He, he, he was great, but he needed to be the dominant performer in this series, and he wasn't. But I think when you look back at the Rangers as a whole, I think their postseason certainly was a success. They made the big move by trading for Marty St. Louis, and they obviously put their chips in and went for it. And getting to the Stanley Cup has to be considered a success. Um, I think the one thing that really helped the Rangers down the stretch was avoiding Boston. I don't think Boston would have been a good matchup for them. Um, I think the matchups they had were winnable. Um, I think they were, I don't want to say they were fortunate to beat Philadelphia, but that was a very close toss-up series. Um, Their second round against, who did they beat? Pittsburgh, I guess, in the second round. Pittsburgh, that's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pittsburgh wasn't the team that everyone thinks they are. They, They have a lot of deficiencies. And while Montreal had a great run, I think they were out of gas by the third round. I think the Boston series took a lot out of them. So it was a successful season. I was gonna say, but I don't think they're going to get back there. Do you? No, they're not going to get back there. But I was going to say, plus it helps when you take out Carey Price. You know, when you slide into his knee and you know you're facing the backup, it also helps to get to the final. Gold medalist Carey Price, by the way, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the Rangers. I don't know where the Rangers go from here. Is the other big question. It seems like a lot of their forwards are sort of older, and 
And what do you do? Can you build a team around St. Louis? Is he still an elite player that can get you back there next year? I don't think so. I mean, he's a good, he's a good, you know, role player as far as you know. He's a good power play guy. He can get you, you know, maybe twenty goals, maybe thirty goals in in a season. But you know, he's not he's not big and he's not physical, so he's not gonna, you know, he's not a great defensive player, but. You know, he he did seem to fit with that team pretty well, and you know he is like that's kind of you know he's in that the the even though he's older he's kind of like the Zuccarello mode you know smaller but quick and you know hard to defend when when they're on the rush or you know they're got their speed game going. So uh, Saint Louis, I think, was a good move, but. I don't know how you want to say this. I mean, is it a, a, a stain on the Conn Smythe trophy that someone like Brad Richards actually won the Conn Smythe, and yet he's been so bad in the playoffs these last few years? I guess it's a long time ago when you look back at it. It really you has know? been. I know. It, it's 10 years, but, man, what happened? I mean, the guy was clutch, and then all of a sudden, he's just he's just been a no-show in the, in the playoffs. Well... You know, Brad Richards is an extreme disappointment, and you're right. But was Rick Nash the biggest disappointment on the Rangers? I mean, I was what we all him. think is an elite power forward. I, I mean, where was he the entire postseason? Uh, yeah, I, I was going to get to him, too. You know, Richards and Nash, I mean, if you're going to and you say, where do they go from here, do they buy out Richards? You know, do they try to deal Nash? I, I, Nash has a pretty big cap number, and he's not the same player that he was in in Columbus. So uh, the Rangers definitely have some some question marks. And and in Strawman, I read today is an unrestricted free agent, so they're going to have to try to sign him. And he had a good playoffs, but it's just it's amazing to me how you know that. Richards, who was so revered as a player, I remember a few years ago when he became a free agent and he signed with the Rangers. It came down to the Rangers or the Kings. Those are the, the right. two players, that, the two teams that that were going to sign him. It's amazing how it turned out that he signs with the Rangers, and yet after that, the Kings win two cups. But those two guys, I think you have to consider moving them because they just they they take up too much cap space and they don't show up in the postseason. Don't you think? I would, I mean, I think Nash has value. I think someone will take a run at him. I mean, I don't think he's run out of gas yet. Can you Richards. Back, can you go back to Columbus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Columbus is really happy with that trade, I think. <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> I think they uh, are. But, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a market for Nash, and... The problem is, is if you move those two pieces, are you how many steps back are you willing to take, and how many what you know NHL ready talent are you going to be able to get? That's uh, you know I don't think anyone's going to give you a top six forward making two point film two point five million dollars straight up for one of those players. So then in, invariably you're taking you know a third or fourth line player, you're taking a draft choice, and immediately. You know your upside's probably lower for next season. I don't know if they're going to be content doing that or not. But that's that's the decisions facing the team for sure. The you know I don't want to scare you, Franklin, but I did hear a rumor that Toronto might be interested in Brad Richards. Uh, your reaction, being a Toronto native and a Leafs fan? 
If we're talking Richards, I'd go for Mike over Brad. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I've heard that that uh, I've heard that debate, but I also saw an article in the uh, one of the I don't know the you know slips in my mind, but it was a Winnipeg paper, and the Winnipeg or some columnist wrote a thing how they should get the Jets should get Mike Richards. Your your reaction to that? The Jets need uh, depth, good quality third and fourth line players. I always felt, while the Jets don't have a first and second line that might be the best in the league, it's their third and fourth lines that invariably kill them. And when they play great teams in the Western Conference that have quality lines, quality down the middle, the Jets get exposed. So I think, while Mike Richards clearly is not playing the, the best hockey of his career and might be on the downswing, I mean, he was fortunate that on the Kings, he didn't have to play huge minutes, and they, he found a role, and he was great. I mean, he I thought in the Stanley Cup final, he had lots of scoring chances. He scored some big goals and played very well. Now, he's not necessarily a $5.5 million player anymore. I don't think teams can afford that. But certainly, if the Kings opt to buy him out to be able to afford to keep Gabrick, which is the rumor, or one of the things Dean Lombardi apparently is considering, I think... Um, there are a lot of teams that would love to have Mike Richards as a third or fourth line center making three to four million dollars a season, especially a character guy like that. Yeah. Do you think the Kings opt to buy him out and keep Gabrick? Do you think that's the Lombardi's next move? Well, that's what I was going to ask you is where the King, uh, you know, taking a look at the Kings now. You know, I think about it and I did uh, read an article that said that the coaches wouldn't be happy if, if they bought out Richards. But they might have to. That Lombardi might buy him out. But if I if I had to guess, you may, I I don't know exactly the number, but the cap is going up, so they have that. And most of the guys are signed. I believe the only free agents are Willie Mitchell, Matt Green, and I can't remember. There's another one that's not a, you know not one of the top four defensemen or top six forwards but so i think they'll have the space they need to resign gabrick i i don't think he's gonna probably have to sign for less though that's the only thing like on the open market he's probably going to get more than what the kings can offer him so i don't know if he wants to come back for that whatever that number may be i think they'll definitely try to get gabrick back i think they'll keep richards and just think you know richards isn't what he's 30 is that right i thought i was ready yeah. 30 so he's not you know he's not over it's the not field. old. So it could have just been, you know, kind of a speed bump in his career, or is this the start of the, you know, a huge downslide? I think they might give him one more chance, one more year, and uh, see what he does next year. And if he has another, you know, really bad year by his standards, then I think they might look to send him elsewhere. What do you think? I mean, for me, Gabrick is scary. Uh, I mean, I don't want to commit to him long term, and. And, of course, he would be looking for that. So term would be such a huge issue with the contract. I mean, he's the perfect rental player because he's lightning in a bottle. He scored 14 goals in the playoffs. But do you want to commit, you know, three years? And how much is he going to get on the open market? $7 million a season? There aren't a lot of good free agents this year. Someone's going to want a guy who's capable of scoring 35 to 40 goals. He probably won't because he never plays more than 55 games in a season. <laughs> but... You know, that's that's the problem with Gabrick, and you worry with the Kings with all the quality young talent they have. 
you don't want to sign Gabrick long term. So when those guys get up, that that that's an issue to keeping them as well. You know, um, so I don't know if I'm the Kings if I necessarily sign Gabrick at the cost of of Richards. That that's it's a I don't love. I mean, Gabrick is an imperfect player. He's just a great goal scorer. Right. And, you know, this point was made over and over during the final that Gabrick, he didn't have to be the man on the Kings. You know, he just had to, you know, score some goals. Whereas on other teams, they look to him to be the number one guy. You know, you're the one that has to generate the offense for us. And with the Kings, he didn't have to do that. He just basically had to, you know, play with Kopitar and Brown, which is, you know, let's face it, it's, you could do a lot worse than that. And, Absolutely, uh, goal and just get goals when when they need them, and not you know they don't need them to score fifty, sixty goals. Plus, you know the uh, the Kings have turned into the the Robert Ory of the NHL, where they just kind of coast through the regular season, and then when the postseason comes, then they they turn it on because they've you know they finished third in their division this year, and then look what happens. So, well, and in a tough division where you don't necessarily want to finish third because then you don't have home ice and in two series that probably are going to be incredibly difficult. No, they've, I think, uh, they sort of debunked any idea that the NHL regular season and seeding is important. <laughs> that is true. So the Kings, you know, I've heard the word dynasty thrown around. First of all, I assume you don't think it's a dynasty. How many cups do they have to win to become a dynasty and is it going to be a situation, for me, it seems like it's a situation where in the 90s where, you know, take your pick, where you have the Kings and the Blackhawks, like just like the Avalanche and the Red Wings of the 90s, you know, where those two teams were the two clearly the two best teams. And then when they kept going at it in the playoffs, it was a rivalry that really grew, grew fierce really quickly. And then those teams were the ones that were winning the Cups. Do you think that will happen again with the Blackhawks and the Kings? Well, I think dynasty, you need three right off the bat. I think that's the magic number. I, even back-to-back doesn't make you a dynasty. I don't look at the, the Detroit, Detroit Pistons and the NBA as a dynasty. They just had a nice run of a couple seasons. So they need one more. And you need to do it usually within a, you know, a six- or seven-year period, I would say, to be a dynasty. So the Kings still have that window. So uh, they're not there yet. And it, we both know it's incredibly hard to win you know, over a short period of time, but they're on their way, and they're certainly a great team. Um, uh, and in terms of the Blackhawks Kings rivalry, I mean, they are they they've been the best two teams now over the past three years, and they're in the same conference. And you know, I think everyone's excited for next year, and everyone wants to see them play again next year. And the great thing too is with the new NHL. Uh, playoff system, there's a very good chance that it'll be set up so they can meet, hopefully, you know, in the conference final, because they'll probably be top three within their division. Right. And the Blackhawks, I mean, I, I don't know the names. You you may know them, but supposedly they have a very deep farm system. they got a lot of young, good players coming back. But do you think, I mean, obviously they, people will say they have to, but do you think they'll sign, re-sign Taves and Kane for sure? I think you have to. <laughs> I do. I mean, I know one of their players I I, uh, I saw a couple times who I think will be up with their team. His name is Tuvo Teravainen. He's a center from Finland who's right. awesome. Like, probably he's ready to be a third-line player right now. I think they just wanted to give him enough time. They don't necessarily need to bring him up early, but 
he's NHL ready, and he's a guy who's ready to step in and make an impact right away. And it seems like teams like the Blackhawks and Kings have these players, the Tanner Pearsons of the world, who just are able to, to fully these guys who come up and are ready to contribute now. And that's it's amazing that teams who are consistently finishing so high in the standings are drafting so well at the bottom of the first round. Well, what if someone throw? let's say, I'm just throwing this out here, Buffalo. I mean, what if they throw out a huge contract for Kane, try to get the hometown boy? You don't think Kane might, you think Kane would be tempted to go to Buffalo? He might be, but the the thing with the Sabres is they're loaded, but they're all two or three years away. So if you're Kane, do you want to wait two or three years till your team is at that level, or um, or do you just want to go and take your money and run? And I don't have that answer. I think he is very happy in Chicago. I, I don't know if Kane is the easiest guy to get along with. I mean, he's a little out there, and I think... Um, Taves has been a very good sort of, I don't want to say mentor because he's not older, but certainly strong teammate and a strong leader to sort of keep him in line. And there haven't really been any issues when they're together in Chicago. So I would certainly be hesitant if I were Kane before I would leave Chicago. But, you know, I don't know what drives these guys, and certainly money might be the, the driver. And I believe, I think I heard this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that Taves is from somewhere near Winnipeg. Is that true? He is, yeah. So any chance the Jets would throw big money at the Jets would love. I mean, I think they'd throw the max, whatever they could do. They would. They would absolutely. The problem is, is again, I think these guys are pretty happy where they are. I I do. Chicago's a great hockey market. It's a great town to live in, and they're making good money. So I don't know. And, And they've got a great team. So to leave, it would be. I don't think it's such an easy thing for either of them to do. The one thing I also heard that the Sabres are doing now in order to get, um, they're, they're willing to take, in order to stockpile draft picks, they're willing to take players with high cap numbers now and draft picks. So they'll take, they're willing to take your, they'll take Mike Richards if you want to get rid of him, and they'll take your first round pick for some player just in order to get higher picks. And they might eat, and they still have two compliance buyouts and they want to get more picks, so they're just trying to stockpile as much as many picks as possible, which is an interesting strategy. I sort of love, I love reading that, that that's their strategy. I don't know if it'll work or not, but it was sort of fun to hear. Nice, nice. Always good insight from you, Franklin, about uh, stuff going on north of the border. Um, the uh, now that this will probably be our last hockey podcast for a while, anyway, since the season is over. I know there was talk about. Uh, use of replay in the general manager's meeting. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Do you think that replay will be expanded next year? And, and what's your opinion on it? I've heard some people want like a monitor in the penalty box that a referee can look at. I've heard other people say, no, just keep it uh, centralized in Toronto like it is now. What's your opinion on it? Will it be expanded or will it pretty much be the same thing, especially when we're talking about goalie interference, which kind of reared its head? for the uh, Rangers in Game 2 of the final? I sort of like the idea that it's centralized. My thought process is is that's what these people do in Toronto. They do video replays all their time. So you have, whether they're right or wrong, you have a consistent group making those difficult decisions. And I sort of like that idea. Um, and I don't think it takes that long. And, and the system, it, it's unlike... Other sports, I don't feel like video replay impedes the speed of the game, and it doesn't hold it up significantly. So right now, while 
it may not be perfect. I do like the idea of a central group making consistent decisions, right or wrong. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, but that's where I sort of sit right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And and do you think they'll include more replay situations or calls or plays that they can review, like goalie interference, or do you think they'll keep it the same? I would personally keep it the same. I mean, goalie interference is a judgment call. Um, and I don't know. I, I sort of feel like they have it down pretty well. It's never going to be perfect, and I'm okay living with the human element of the game. I think that was, makes it fun and makes it debatable. Um, and I guess my team... Look, my team's never been in a situation where it's really mattered. <laughs> but that being oh, 93 said... 93 and 93, the high-sticking. For sure, but I, I understand. I just I think it's a slippery slope, and I, I think the system works pretty well right now. I, 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 I'm content with it, and I also think it's it's fun to talk about these things, too. And I know teams feel burned, but from a fan perspective and someone who views the game, um, it's a great talking point. So you don't think they'll expand it anymore next year? You think it'll I don't stay think it? so. And, uh, you know, while... You know, we've talked about the playoffs. We've talked a lot about the Kings, of course, and the Rangers and the Blackhawks. So let's give you a little rundown on the on the Leafs. Well, you know, where where do the Leafs go from now, from here, into the future? Well, I think the Leafs' biggest pressing issue was trying to re-sign David Bowen, which gives you a sense of where they are, that David Bowen means so much to the team. Um, <laughs> and the longer it drags on, and there seems like there's a greater likelihood that he's leaving, uh, I mean, the Leafs need to address their depth down the middle, which hasn't changed. They need to figure out if David Clarkson was the worst free agent signing of the last five years. <laughs> they need to also decide whether or not their young defensemen, whether it be Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley, if they're going to be good enough. I think Morgan Riley proved he's going to be a good enough to NHL defenseman. Are they going to let these guys grow, or is Randy Carlisle going to stifle their confidence and you know, and I, I guess the last thing, too, is for them is Nazem Kadri. Again, another third-line young player, but is he someone who's going to be a top six forward, or is, there, is he someone that they need a package? And is it someone that Randy Carlisle can, can work with? It seemed to me that the Leafs were in the perfect position to get rid of Randy Carlisle. He didn't seem like he meshed with the team. The team quit on him last year. There are a lot of really great coaches out there, and they gave him a two-year deal. So now they're stuck with them, and they have a dressing room that didn't seem very fond of them. So I think, how do you get these young guys to buy into what Randy Carlisle wants? And it's not going to be easy for them. So it's not a, it's not a bright picture here right now. <laughs> that might have been my, most, my favorite segment we've done on all these podcasts, is hear the, the bitterness in your voice as a, as a Leafs fan. And uh, how the future may not be very bright for a team that, I mean, they made the playoffs last year and had the Bruins on the on the ropes. I mean, we don't have to bring back those memories, but you know, the Bruins that made the final last year, they were this close to losing to the Leafs. So, are the Leafs really that that far away now? Well, the best thing the Leafs have going for them is they're in the right conference, <laughs> and you don't have to be a great team to make the playoffs. And the other thing, too, is I do think Jonathan Bernier is a very good goalie and the type of goalie that, if he got hot, can certainly help you win a playoff series. And they didn't have that before. So they're in the right conference. They have the right goalie. Those are two things working in their favor. Yes, that's true. So 
the Leafs may have some work to do. And uh, is Boland a uh, unrestricted free agent? He is, yes. Yeah, so that that could be it. That could be a problem. And no chance they they try to get try to move Car- uh, Clarkson. There was there. I mean, take it for what it's worth. There was writing in our local papers that they were considering buying him out already. <laughs> that seems like a wasted investment to me. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't know if you can move him at that number. He's had a huge. He's just under seven million for another four years. Yeah, I mean, so not many teams are going to trade for a guy who gets forty points, who's earning seven million dollars a year. So you like your your goaltending situation with Bernier and and Reimer? I'd be surprised if Reimer was back. I think he's requested a trade. I think he did not feel like he was dealt fairly with Carlisle. His confidence was clearly shot down the stretch last year. So I would not be surprised to see them move Reimer. I'm not so sure it's a very. Um, I don't think the goalie market. Is, there's a there's a you know Reimer's not going to fetch you anything. It's not like they're going to get more than a third or fourth round draft pick. But that might be enough, and it just might be a situation just to move him out because he wasn't happy, and he wasn't particularly effective either. So, Any uh, any chance the Leafs make a run for Brodeur? I'd like that. I still think as long as he'd be comfortable playing 25 games, I think that would be a great thing. But I, he's not going back to New Jersey most likely, correct? I, I don't think he's going back. I think he... He knows that. I, I heard that he would be willing to... He wants to be a number one goalie still, but he's willing to be a number two goalie on a team that you know has a chance to win a cup. So take that. Well, then he might not want to come to Toronto. <laughs> it's always Montreal, right? That's true. I mean, he could go back home to Montreal, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, what about uh, uh, Spezza from, from Ottawa? I know he's... Re- I heard he requested a trade. Then they say no, he didn't request a trade. You know, what are you hearing up up there? Uh, you're obviously closer to the situation than I am. Did you think he requested a trade? And, and who's going to make a play for him? Well, I think he requested a trade, and the team said, "Just keep it between us, because you're losing any leverage we have in trading you." Uh, I have not heard uh, any potential destinations uh, for Spezza, but it would not surprise. I mean, if they could move him, I, I think. He hasn't been perfectly happy there in a while, um, and it would make sense. And Brian Murray is not afraid to make the big trade. So I think uh, that's the fun part about draft day and, and that sort of free agent free agent frenzy week as well, July 1st. So I would imagine that if Spezza gets moved, it would be in the first week, in, you know, last week in June, first week in July. Yeah, I, I, I think so. The... Uh... I, I did hear some teams that that might make a play for him. I heard I heard the Ducks are being really, uh, really aggressive, trying to get a, a center behind Getzloff. That they think they need a number two center, and that he might might you know fill that void. Or I don't know. I just this just popped in my head. But don't you think it would be logical for him to go to uh, Detroit? I know he'd be following Alfredson, but it seems like Spezza would be a you know kind of a Red Wings kind of player, a veteran, you know, a guy who who you know it seems like the Red Wings always get those kind of guys that are maybe not on the end of their careers, but getting that way and, and try to get some production out. Plus, Detroit is always going to try to win, and you can win. You know, now they're in the East, and don't you think the Red Wings might be a, a possible destination for Spezza? 
Well, the first thing I would say about Spezza is he certainly doesn't strike me like a player who would fit in very well in the Western Conference with the style of play. Uh, Western Conference centers play both ends of the ice and are responsible <laughs> defensively, and I'm not so sure J- Jason Spezza fits that mold. Uh. Detroit's a great theory, although they just got burned with Stephen Weiss. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how much cap space wiggle room they'd have for a player like Spezza. Um, but, you know, Florida's another place I think that might be a potential destination because they have some young players and they've also said they're willing to take on some um, some money as well. So th- I think there are a lot of suitors right now for a, a player of his caliber, but um, I, I don't know if there's a front runner right now for sure. All right, so we got the uh, when's the draft? Is it the end of the month? The draft? It is. Yeah, it's. I think it's in like just under two weeks. So we got the draft. I, I know nothing about who's going to be the first pick or so. You got any ideas who's going to be the first couple of picks? Sounds like there's a defenseman by the name of Aaron Eckblad who is probably. It's between him and a center by the name of uh, Sam Bennett. So those are sort of the two two guys, I think, right now who, who are rumored to go in the sort of top two. So defenseman, you know, center, and pick your poison. Uh, but there's no real – apparently the, the, the draft, the NHL draft that everyone's talking about is next year uh, because there's some really high-end talent. This is not necessarily – there are a lot of quality players, but not necessarily the the true superstar in in this upcoming draft. So, uh, tell me if if you heard this one. I, I heard it. I don't know if it was Ekblot or not, but is it one, true that one of them couldn't do a pull up or something like that? Did you it, hear that? It might be him. Yeah, there was. I heard it was a top prospect couldn't even do one pull up. So, but who knows? I guess there's no pull up competitions in hockey. So uh, that's right. So. Uh, so then we got the draft, and then free agency July 1st, and then camps open up, and then back to optimism for the Leafs and the rest of the NHL, right? Let's, hey, every, everybody gets excited once again. And you know what? The last week in June and the first week in July certainly shape a lot of teams moving forward. So it's a fun time, and usually there's a lot of trades at the draft. That seems like even more than trade deadline, players get moved on draft day. So it's, a, it's certainly a fun, it's a fun week. Certainly is. All right. Thanks, Franklin, for uh, joining us today on this championship parade Monday. And, you know, I, I, I asked someone, and, and I don't know why. Maybe you've heard this, but why do they hold championship parades on weekdays? I mean, why? I've never, I can't re- ever recall a championship parade, no matter what, uh, what sport it happens in. It's always on a weekday. It's never on a weekend. Have you heard that? Have you heard of that? Why that is? No, but it's an excellent point. I don't know why that is. It's, I, I mean, because I heard if the Kings, huh. they were talking out here, if the Kings had won it in game, if they had swept, which would have been Wednesday, the parade was going to be on Friday, and then, then they didn't win, so they won on Friday. So if you go just two days later, that's a Sunday, even though it was Father's Day. But yeah, instead they put it on Monday, so I don't know what it has to do. You'd think there'd be more av- people available for the parade on a weekend, whereas uh, the people that work and can't go to the parade, but who knows. So, Anyways, thanks, Franklin, for joining us. Uh, obviously, the hockey season is over, and uh, so maybe we'll do another hockey podcast the uh, later on in the summer and uh, do another two for cross-check, or excuse me, 
two for crosstalking uh, in this later on this summer when all the teams have been shaped and camps are opening up. Sounds good to you? Sounds great. Enjoy the parade, Todd. All right. Thanks, Franklin. And uh, maybe we'll be back either later this week or maybe Monday again or next week, and we can talk Wimbledon as that gets underway as well. Absolutely. All right. Enjoy uh, Toronto. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting to ask you. Uh, uh, you know, I keep talking about how you're in Toronto. How's, how's Rob Ford these days? How's he doing? I think Rob Ford is expected to come back as our mayor in a week or two after reportedly spending time in rehab. <laughs> I gotta love Toronto. You gotta love Toronto, even if you know you don't live there. You hear a bunch of good things about Toronto, and then you got people like the mayor who just make that city what it is—a great city up there. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All we'll right. watch the mayor race podcast. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Franklin. We'll see you next time. Okay. Take care. All right, see you.